Hey, what's up, Warriors? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 331, our last broadcast for the year 2020, a year that, looking back, I'm sure we'd all like to have behind us at this point, and that's what this week's episode is all about, looking back and looking forward as me and my fill-in podcast host, Buck Green, share with you the best tactical tips that we've each learned in 2020, as well as our personal goals for the upcoming year. It's all coming right up. And if you want to check out a cheat sheet of today's show, just head on over to www.warriorlifepodcast.com slash 331 and download it all absolutely free. And now let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat, Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com. And yes, this is our last podcast episode for the year 2020. As I say that, like I'm just wiping the sweat off my brow, like, thank God this year is over. Um, and a new one's coming up, and we've learned a lot over this last year. Um, in fact, as many of you know, we've this was the year we switched over from ModernCombatAndSurvival.com to WarriorLife.com and changed what we're doing and why we do it. But the foundation is still all the same. And what's really developed for me over the years, if you haven't caught some of the last updates that we've done, is that some of the best tips I've ever learned have come from people like you, our listeners, people that view our YouTube videos, listen to our podcast, read our blog, read our emails. And the tips that we get back are really amazing. And so I've realized that, I've, I guess what I've realized is that I don't know what I don't know. And I'm learning things all the time. And so the sharing of the information, it's what's become really key for me that it's not the Jeff Anderson show, that it's really your show, that it becomes your platform for being able to share tips as well as learn from other people's tips as well. And that's my goal also. In fact, this year I've learned a lot. And one of the, I mean, this selfishly, this podcast is really about interviewing a lot of other experts as, as well as sharing with you things that I've learned along the way, both as an instructor in different areas when it comes to tactical training and self-defense and firearms training and preparedness and my own experience, as well as what I've learned from other people out there. Now, sometimes along the way here, you've also had uh, heard my my fill-in host for the show, Buck Green. And uh, Buck, you're, are you there? I feel like like constantly referring to me as the fill-in host is is I don't know. I feel like I, I deserve a grand or a grander title than that. Sort grand Poobah host, uh, what, sub, substitute your... host extraordinaire. No, I. Okay. I, I can't remember the last time we actually did one together. And th- that's ironic given how much time, like, you know, we talk every week and, and, uh, you know, stay in constant touch. And yet this, I think uh, I could count on one hand, the number of podcasts we've actually done together. It's probably been a couple of years. I would almost think it's yeah. been a long time since we've done it, but um, I thought this was really good. Cause I mean, you've run, you've done some of the interviews in the past and you've also come, you know, stepped in and, done your own. And I, and I like hearing about your stuff because really all you give me is a title of what you're going to do. And then I get to learn from you. I don't see your notes ahead of time. I don't see what you're going to talk about. And so I always find it interesting again, like this is really about learning from other people. And so what I thought for everybody out there, I thought what I would do is buck for this last episode, since you've heard from us both um, over this time is for us to share with you the one thing that we've learned in the different areas that we that we do interview people about or that we do cover in our podcast and that the warriorlife.com uh, site is all about. 
and take the number one tip that we've learned. Like what's changed? What have I learned personally? What has Buck Green learned, learned personally that was kind of the aha moment or an, a raise of the eyebrow that said, huh, I hadn't really thought of that or I wasn't doing that before. And it's something that I want to incorporate into my own level of in my own protection training. And so for those of you that are familiar with our website or aren't familiar, um, we do cover three basic areas and it comes to being what I consider a total protector or a lifestyle, the lifestyle of a warrior, which is self-defense training, preparedness training or survival training, and then tactical firearms training. So both Buck and I have a long history of training in self-defense. We're both gun nuts. I can, I can say that affectionately. And then we also take preparedness very seriously as well. And I think over time, we've had people come to our channel and our show and our website for different reasons. Some people are really just self-defense people and they want to learn some self-defense tactics and they're not really into firearms or survival training. We have gun guys and girls who come here and they Eh, maybe I don't need to worry about self-defense. That's why I've got a gun or this preparedness thing. I, you know, it's, that's for the prepper heads out there, or the doomsday preppers. Uh, the survivalists I always kind of see as like, these are the people who really understand that guns and hand-to-hand -hand are kind of part of the whole protection process and, and, and raising up to that, and that level of being a total protector. But people come here for different reasons. And I think this last year has really shown a lot of people whose eyes weren't open before of, of why they need to be a total protector. And so anyway, what I wanted to do was, I mean, anyway, our, our whole warrior life site is about learning. I wanted to share with you both and, and get Buck's tips on what was the number one thing that he's learned, but then also it's about setting goals. Like it's about having a plan in place for how you're going to become a better protector. And this was one of the main reasons for switching over to warriorlife.com is to make being a warrior, first of all, expanding what it means to be a warrior, that it's not just the, the big bearded tattooed uh, military contractor or military guy coming over from the desert, coming back from the battlefield, that it's really about, uh, really about the everyday warrior. It's you out there that are realize that the only one who can protect you and those that you love is you. And that with that comes a responsibility to be the best protector that you possibly can. And in order to do that, you need to be in a constant state of self-improvement. And so for me, that means also setting goals. Like what is it that you should be working on and what is your goal? What goal are you setting related to that, that task or that skill set that you want to learn or that you know is a gap that you have? Like what are you really going to set as a goal for that? And so I've also asked for Buck's personal goal in each one of these areas as well. So anyway, I'm going to go through these both self-defense or all of these self-defense, survival related, and then firearms related, give you our best tips and share our goals. And then I want to hear from you as well on our website or at war, over at warriorlife.com, or you can go to warriorlifepodcast.com. It'll take you over to our channel page there. And then I want to hear from you. Go ahead and leave a comment in the comments section there of what are your personal tips? What's the best tip that you learned in each of these three areas this year? And then what's your goal as well? So Buck, I think that sets it up pretty good. Are you, uh, you ready to jump into these? I, I am. And the, the whole notion of continuing to learn really hit home for me this past year, because I, I entered into a new relationship two years ago now, and I'm living with my girlfriend and I looked like such a hero 
when the pandemic hit and I knew what to do. And that's only because all the stuff that you've written about pandemics for years that I always looked at as just theory. And, and I said to her at one point, look, no one is more annoyed than me that we have to do this stuff now. Right. <laughs> Boy, did it help. So I looked like I really knew what I was doing. And really all I was doing was benefiting from the ongoing education that, that we have made available through the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a learning process for me too. In fact, that's one of the things I'll, I'll probably end up talking about here, but, um, but uh, let's go ahead and jump into this now. So I'm going to start with you. So related to self-defense, what was maybe like a skill? You're I want this to kind of be actionable things that people can take away and really apply to their own, you know, their own self-protection plan, but self-defense wise, what was like one thing that you learned this year that really stood out for you as, as the game changer when it came to self-defense? Well, the, the thing that, that really hit home most for me, and that was sort of a wake up call was I've always believed that when people get arrested for defending themselves, it's usually because they've done something wrong. They've stepped over the line. They've gone just a little bit too far. Uh, and I don't want this to be like a down note, but 2020 taught me that just because you defend yourself lawfully and legitimately does not mean you won't get charged with a crime. In 2020, we saw a number of high profile self-defense incidents, especially involving mobs and rioting and looting. And there was that period of several weeks in the summer where the entire country was burning. And in a lot of cases, they all did maybe something a little bit wrong in terms of the perfect legal self-defense framework. But every one of them would was, I would think, within the spirit of the law when it comes to defending yourself. You know, like, like these weren't people who were looking for trouble. These were people who were just trying to protect themselves from violent mobs or from violent individuals. And it was extremely sobering to see that you could do almost everything right and you're still staring down the barrel of being completely ruined, personally, socially, uh, especially economically, and if you end up going to prison, legally. Uh, and that bothered me a lot. And, and I know we can draw, we, we can make criticisms of specific things in a lot of the higher profile incidents. Like there was that, that couple, uh, the McCloskeys, who, who, you know, pointed, it turns out, pointed an empty rifle and a deactivated firearm at a mob. I remember at the time thinking, why would you go outside? If you've got guns, you should be posted inside waiting. And that way you don't confront anybody. Well, it turns out you can't scare a mob away with a gun that doesn't work. So that's why they went outside and tried to dissuade the mob. And there are mistakes that they made. But now these people are facing serious charges and the mob that threatened them got off completely scot-free. And it's disturbing to think that we live in a world where you can try to defend yourself, try to follow the rules, try to do what you think is right, and you're still in very serious trouble. Uh, so that became one of my goals for 2021. For the longest time, we have promoted the United States Concealed Carry Association, but I personally never joined the organization. And I, I vowed that this year I'm going to join USCCA so that I can take advantage, not just of the training materials that they provide, because they do offer some perks and some discounts and things like that, but also to have access to their legal protections. So that when you as an armed citizen defend yourself, that you'll have some, you'll know what to do. You're not just standing there going, well, who do I call now, now that I've just been arrested and, and I have to defend myself in court for 
what I believe is lawful self-defense. You know, the, being part of that organization gives you that go-to plan and you, you can avail yourself of the protections that they provide. So that, that was my best tip that also became my actionable goal in the category of self-defense generally, which is not to let yourself be destroyed legally, even though you tried to do everything right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You bring that up. I mean, we've, we have talked about that. I think periodically we've done, I think we've done some newsletters on that about, cause we always try to get people out of the, they call it fear porn really. But I mean, it's like the, the doomsday prepper fantasy type preparedness thing when there's a collapse of society and things that people write about. Um, there's a reality to those things too. Like there's, there's a lot of fantasy built into it. People that have never had any sort of kind of, um, survival experience or clash with, with mobs or been around protests, which most people haven't, thankfully. But, you know, it's one of the things I draw from, from my combat experiences being in urban environments that, that are truly like a, a state of collapse when it's a city that is in a state of collapse and what happens to people at that point. But what people don't realize is that like, it would take a lot for us to really be walking, to be riding around in like the Mad Max mobile. And so, one thing I know we've written about a few times is has been that there is still going to be a rule of law coming around in some way, shape, or form eventually. And so the things that people kind of get in their head as as being like almost like martial law situation where there's you know, there's mobs outside. And so the rules aren't the same. Like the McCloskeys wouldn't have necessarily gone outside if there was just some, you know, stray guy strolling down the sidewalk that they didn't think looked right. Like under normal rules of, of, of engagement, I guess, or non-engagement, they wouldn't just go outside and say, Hey, get off my lawn and have a, like a rifle with them. But under those circumstances of there are protests happening and people's minds can really take control of it, but there, there is going to be rule of law. And especially nowadays when people have ring doorbells, like everything is being captured on video and that doesn't look good when people break out an iPhone and start filming you all of a sudden your face is spread across. And even if you're in the perfectly in the right, you can still there, like you said, even if you're innocent, just the court costs alone and proving that you're innocent, even if everything turns out perfectly fine can be a big problem for you. So that's um, yeah, it's, that's, I think a wake up call for a lot of people. It's always best to learn from other people's mistakes. Right. So um, I hope everybody really paid attention to that. And I think you even, you even, uh, I think you did a podcast episode on that as well. Um, I did recently. I yeah. did. And it was, it was before we knew that there, like the rifle wasn't loaded and the gun was deactivated. Yeah. And uh, even, even if they hadn't been charged, we're, we live in an age now where you mentioned iPhones, somebody records you just interacting with them and that goes viral. Your life can be destroyed on a social and even an employment level, even if you didn't commit a crime. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. For me, for self-defense, it really was more kind of in the, in the hand to hand aspect of it. And there was a, uh, I actually, it just recently happened. I just moved to Florida and I've got, we've got our headquarters here now. And I had a, uh, there was an Amazon delivery that was coming and the Amazon driver recognized our logo and he recognized, he recognized me when he came in and he dropped off the package, which was really kind of, which was kind of funny. And then we started talking and he's actually a self-defense instructor also in nearby Tampa. And I asked him, well, what, what system do you train in? And he said, well, it used to be called Kesey, um, but it's now, it's now called defense lab. And he said, wait a minute, like, does it, 
like I, there's probably only a handful of people that that remember Kesey when it was really really popular. Probably I know you remember them, but it was like um, I don't know. It was maybe like eight. 10 years ago or so, maybe I, even longer than that. I could swear that they used that in one of the Batman movies as they like did. the basis for his fighting method. Yeah, it was the first Batman with Christian Bale where they kind of made like a realistic Batman. And the fighting method that they used was the KC fighting method. And you can, you can kind of watch that movie or again, when you, I mean, it's a great movie by itself, but when you see the way that Batman is fighting in it, it's a very interesting system and I was always really intrigued by it. I've had a couple of, and it's really hard to find that, that type of instruction out there. So when he told me about it, I was really intrigued by it and I made an appointment. He came back to the, um, uh, his name is Andre, by the way, and he does do classes in Tampa. If anybody wants, if you're in the Tampa area and you want to, you want to know like where he's doing classes, just reach out to our customer support uh, channel over at warriorlife.com and I'll make sure we, uh, we connect you guys there. But um, so I had him come and do a demo and really kind of explain it to me because I was always intrigued by it, but it's, you can't find an instructor hardly anywhere. And so what, I, what I've learned from it and the best tip that I've learned this year um, really kind of comes piggybacks off of something that I've been training for quite a while, and that's the cover block. So one of the biggest questions that I've had over the years that have come to me from the you know people that want to learn self-defense is what do you do if somebody is just like you're you're facing a barrage of of strikes so you've got a um, like whether it's one person or whether it's a multiple attacker situation you just like you can't block everything and I'm not a big fan of blocking anyway so what I've always taught people is the cover block where you you basically just you you take away those points that can really knock you out. You're covering up your head essentially and all those those points. And then what that does is it gives you the ability to kind of look down at the ground. So you kind of hunch over, you cover yourself up, but it gives you the ability to see where people's feet are. And if you know where both of their feet are, you know where their center line is. And you can kind of come straight up that center line if you, if you know where that center line is, you can come straight up their body and get to where their head is. And you can, there's all sorts of nasty things you can do from that point on. It's one of the main things I cover in the, um, the Defeat, Defeat Larger Attackers DVD that we have. But what Kesey does, and now it's called Defense Lab. So the, the creators of it kind of split off and one went more of a Hollywood route and the other one turned it into Defense Lab. And so they've, they've taken those same principles, built upon them, and they've really kind of built out the self-defense aspect of it. And what I like about it is that it does have a very much, it kind of systematizes the cover block, puts it on steroids and turns that block into actual strikes. And you'll see this if you do watch the Batman movie, how he is kind of being beaten up by a bunch of people and he puts his hands over his head to cover himself up. But then he uses his forearms while still in a cover block to be able to use them as striking mechanisms. So people that are trying to punch He's actually taking that cover block and using it with all of his body weight as a strike onto their forearms and being able to kind of create space and to be able to fight back from there. And I had Andre show this to me and, um, and demonstrate it. And it's the way that they've systematized it is really, really intriguing. In fact, we're going to be doing some videos on this. Andre's going to be coming out. He's going to be showing us some stuff. I've signed up now um, I, on an instructor um, track for learning this this defense system. It's one of my my main things. In fact, that is my goal for 2021 is to reach instructor level in the defense lab system. 
and uh, and really kind of take it because everything they've done has been a, on a really practical level. But so the tip that I would share with everybody is that this cover block is one of those things that you you do to overcome being this barrage of strikes that you're facing. But you can take it one step further and actually shifting your body weight, use your forearms as a striking tool as you're as you're blocking and covering yourself at the same time. Now I've I'm not not mastered this yet, but um, and I would recommend that you check out Defense Lab. I think it's defenselab.net. I think it might be, and it's with a C because these these guys are from uh, from England. So you can check that out there as well. But um, but really really powerful the way that they do it. There's some free videos and stuff that you can sign up for there as well. But um, we are going to be doing some more stuff on this. And my goal for 2020 is to reach instructor level. I'm sorry, 2021 is to reach instructor level in the Defense Lab system. Um. Okay. Well, that takes care of self-defense. So let's move on to preparedness now with some survival tips. So Buck, we'll go back to you. What is a survival tip that you learned this year that was a real game changer for you? Well, you know, the, this comes from stuff that you've done on The Guardian and some of the, uh, some of the posts we've done about The Guardian Machete. Uh, you were probably the first person in the sort of survival sphere to say, hey, I don't, I don't even really carry a survival knife anymore. And that was that was uh, heresy to me because I am a child of the eighties. I grew up when the Rambo knife defined the concept of survival. Um, and maybe it was because that movie became popular when I was at a very formative age, but I always thought about survival as starting with that hollow handle survival knife. And, and yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be that same pattern, but every prepper and survivalist from my generation thinks of starting with that knife first and building out from there. Uh, and, you know, based on what you had to say about that, it really got me thinking about the fact that, yeah, the machete really is the more important tool and the more versatile weapon. Um, I have a, a favorite survival knife. It's my five-in-one folding survival knife. That's actually one we've done a few emails on. Um, and I have a couple of those now that I bought just because I like it, uh, that I use for utility. But it's the, my guardian machete is now my go-to survival tool. And that's just like a backup utility tool. Um, my, my goal for 2021 is actually related to that machete because I, I spent an entire day once uh, on the weekend. I was, I was home by myself because my girlfriend and her mom were, were traveling for a, for a graduation. This was uh, the, I guess the summer before the pandemic because people still went places and did things. And uh, I was watching the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO, which, you know, so it was like I was having a whole Cold War 1980s nostalgia fest because I remember when that was in the news originally. And I was sharpening my Guardian machete. And I, I've only ever been average at sharpening. So I decided in 2021 that I'm going to up my game. I'm actually going to do some, I'm going to, you know, look at some actual training materials and become a better sharpener because I know people who can put a razor edge on anything. You can shave with it and stuff. And, and I do okay, but I wanted to be better at it. So after spending all day with one of those round puck sharpeners, looks like a, looks like a hockey puck, uh, putting an edge on my, on my guardian machete, which was only dull because I was clearing brush in the backyard and I hit some scrap metal underneath the brush. I don't know what's out there, but um, there's a, there are these vine things that infest the, the brush and shrubbery on the edge of the property. And I was chopping away at that, feeling pretty proud of myself when I hear clang 
And I looked down at my, my beloved guardian machete. I'm like, oh, what have I done? Well, the machete came through just fine, but it was you know not razor sharp by the time I got done hitting metal with it. So I spent the day sharpening that machete and I got it really, really nice and sharp, especially for me. And I was really proud of what I'd done. And that night, uh, long story short, we thought there was an intruder outside. It turned out there wasn't, but we didn't determine that there wasn't an intruder outside until I had already run out into the night with my guardian machete in my hand because I did not have a gun. I was visiting my girlfriend at the time and I did not have a firearm with me. So I'm just out there in the night with my, with my guardian machete. And uh, about the time you realize there is no emergency is when you start to feel silly that you're running around at night with your machete uh, because you hope the neighbors can't see you. But as the old saying goes, uh, the man who sleeps with a machete by his bed is a fool every night but once. So that is my, my combination lesson and goal for 2021 is to become a better sharpener, specifically because I've, I've determined that, yes, the machete is the more important survival tool than just the, the survival knife, Rambo knife paradigm that I grew up with. Yeah, that's a funny proverb. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my survival lesson was... Um, Really, I mean, it's the pandemic, it's the practice of the pandemic principles. I mean, this is something that I mean, we have, we have people that have followed us for years and they know that I've been, this is that a pandemic is one of the five collapse triggers that we've identified. And um, if anybody was able to check out the pandemic class that we did at the very beginning of it, I mean, or any of the webinars that we've done of the online classes that we've done for years prior. Like we've been screaming about this forever. We've been saying it's coming. The CDC's, I mean, it's not, it's no crystal ball. The CDC has been saying it. WHO has been saying it. Like we, like we're long overdue for a pandemic. And it's one of those things where again, it's like, oh, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. We have doctors, we have scientists, blah, blah, blah. And okay, well, it happened. And we really, really, really got lucky. I mean, even now, as the numbers have ramped up and we're in, you know, potentially the the worst phase that, well, certainly than we've had so far, like it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, we've had, well, I can't say it's gotten worse and worse and worse. We've got worse and worse than better. And now it's it's really bad again. We're still in super lucky phase because at least we are having a vaccine coming out now. At least we have things that we're done, whether you believe the vaccine is going to work or, or help or whatever you may believe, um, it's, it's kind of fast-tracked development of this stuff. And so we've learned a lot along the way that we should be better prepared for another one. But we're lucky this time because it didn't trigger the collapse that we've been warning people about where it really does shut down, um, basically resupply. Because our supply chain is really what kept going. It was essential workers in grocery stores. Like you were still able to get food you were still able to have water. It's when you're not able to get food. That's what we talk about. Like these are the things that trigger collapse. When there is a break in the supply line, that's where you start to really see the meltdown of the people around you. And so we've really gotten lucky with this pandemic as many people have died. Um, but it's the, it's the practice of what we've been talking about that for me has, has yielded the best lessons. And there were several that I got out of it because it really fast-tracked also like my, my, my own learning of what are some things that aren't being put out there in the news that we can actually use as tips. So 
Um, and the, and some of these have come from, and again, I always, I'm always looking to learn myself and I'm feel like we're all standing on the shoulders of giants to, to quote a, a friend of mine. And I've learned different ways to boost my immune system. So one thing is turkey tail mushrooms. I watched this really great, uh, this really great, uh, what was it? I think it was on Netflix. I'm not sure where it was, but it was basically a, a documentary on mushrooms. And I forget the, I forget the experts uh, name for it now, but some of it was about psychedelic mushrooms. Some of it was about um, mushrooms themselves, but turkey tail mushroom is, has a special powers to greatly boost the immune system. In fact, the guy that they really focused in on for the documentary, his, his mother, who was quite elderly, had cancer and was told basically that there's nothing we can do and really just focused in on turkey tail mushroom. And there was one, uh, one thing that was helping her also with the chemotherapy, but basically was went into remission. Basically it was just, um, I won't say cured, but took away the cancer for whatever period of time. And so she is cancer free at this point when other people had given her a death sentence. So my girlfriend and I basically boosted up on turkey tail mushroom immensely. Also, uh, my friend Ox, that many people have heard me talk about, mostly from a firearm standpoint, but um, also gave me information about using a nebulizer and food grade hydrogen peroxide, and that it was having a 97%. He's very tied in with the military crowd. And so when they do like, I mean, the military ha also has a pretty extensive research area when it comes to medicine as well. And so the use of a nebulizer and food grade hydrogen peroxide done in a certain way had a 97% uh, success rate in killing off the virus. And so that was something, in fact, he sent me nebulizers for my own personal use just to make sure that I was taken care of because he knew that they were going to be flying off the shelves also. And so that was one thing that I've also added to things that I've not written about or any, anything before, but that was one thing that I also added. And then one of the other things that I've always wondered about was um, essentially like, when do you really make that choice of going to the, going to the hospital? Because that is one of the places that where you can actually catch the virus or there's more things, nasties there that you're not going to want to get, um, you know, have, you know, get yourself that are, you want to stay away from, like, when do you actually make the decision? It's better to be away from home and actually go to the hospital. And so that's something I always wrestle with, but then I discovered there was a, um, <clears throat> it's an oximeter. So it's that thing that they put on your finger, typically at the, the hospital, and it shows your oxygen levels and your pulse rate. And so this is something that was kind of new to me. I'd never really thought about this before, but I think Mercola is when it says that if your oxygen goes below 92% was when you want to make a trip to the, to the, uh, to the emergency room. Uh, because this is really what monitors like where you're at, especially when it comes to things like the virus. Like this is why they put people on ventilators to help them breathe better and to get more oxygen. And so the oximeter is a super inexpensive thing that you can get off of Amazon that you can have in your home medicine kit that you don't have to be any sort of trained medical professional to be able to use. And so this was one more thing that I added to my own medical kit at home to help me make those decisions. If I were to be able to, if I were to get infected or a family member or a loved one were able, were able to get infected 
or not able to, but were, get, were infected, that would help me make the decision of when is the time to actually take them in to be able to get them the care that they want. So that was my, um, that was my lesson was the practical, the practices and fine tuning them for when it comes to a pandemic. And this was a real benefit this year to be able to do that at a time where we got lucky, I feel, when it comes to these types of um, infectious diseases. So um, my goal for two, 2021 really has to do kind of more, it was, it was prompted really with my move from Texas. And I had, you know, I, I, one of the areas that I really focus in on a lot on is evacuation because I've seen what happens in different areas when there is a collapse-like environment. And so sometimes, obviously, most of the time, you're going to be best off at home. That's going to be the best place for you to be in any sort of a survival or crisis scenario. But it's not always the best place. Um, so when it's not the best place is when you need to leave and go someplace. And so you should always have a plan B retreat area. Well, in Texas, I had my area. I had my routes all mapped out to be able to get there. I had cached stations along the way where I had fuel. I had things that I could use for resupply if I were to be able to lose it. Everything that I talk about, you can actually do right now to plan for an evacuation, even under the most extreme circumstances. I had that. Well, I moved from Texas because I followed love, my high school sweetheart. Um, and I have reconnected just recently. And I moved, actually, I moved to, to Florida for to be able to get uh, be closer to our nonprofit and where we're doing the warrior retreats for Operation Save Our Soldiers and the warrior retreats that we're doing here for combat PTSD with um, with veterans was one of the reasons that I moved here. And it's just been a better place for me business-wise for me to be able to do more of what we're going to do with warriorlife.com. Um, but as a part of that, I also have reconnected with my high school sweetheart and and I'm now living in the state that I would probably never tell anybody from a survival standpoint to ever move to. So I'm living in a place where if I want to evacuate because of hurricanes here and I am near the coast, then it is the worst state in the union to be able to get out of. I have to go straight up. I have to go up the entire state along with everybody else to be able to get out of the state. It's not a good situation. So um, tie that together with the changes that we are seeing in storm systems due to potentially due to climate change. And Buck and I had a whole conversation before we even got into this, uh, into this broadcast about whether there is climate change, what people believe about climate change. And really, I, I don't really care what people believe. I don't care if you feel like it's due to environmental, if it's a natural thing that just happens every whatever bazillion years, or whether you think it's due to um man-made, it doesn't really matter. Like the facts are that we are seeing increases in temperatures. The facts are scientifically that they do change weather patterns. The facts are that we are seeing more frequent storms that are out there and they are increasing intensity. It's not that they haven't happened in the past, but there is an uptick in them and they are getting more severe. And I am in an area where I have to take that into consideration. Um, what some of the studies that I've seen lately and projecting into the future based upon weather patterns is that there are going to be mass migrations of populations all around the earth because the areas that were already relatively uninhabitable because of heat, un uninhabitable because of heat are going to be even more so. And people are already moving out of those areas because of lack of resources. They're creating population um, 
basically refugee crises all around the world. Now we're seeing the same thing happen in the United States. Um, Northern California, for example, is an area that has, has seen drier weather. It has seen more heat over the last several years. I mean, this has been happening for quite some time. The first, the first warning I got of this was in the wine industry because the wines that were produced in, in Northern California have become more acidic and they've become higher, higher content of alcohol. And it's changed their taste over the last several years because the, it's been heating up in Northern California. So what used to be kind of like the best wines came out of Northern California, that has been changing to, to a more Northern area, like up into Oregon and up into uh, Washington. And so that change started happening a long, long time ago. Well, now we're seeing record um, wildfires happening in these areas, and it's become a true crisis. Now, people have been migrating now out of California because out of Northern California, because they realize that that's not the ideal place that they used to live in. And so they're moving out of there. So if you start looking at where people are going to start migrating to around the country, and if you look at the future changes that could happen because of global warming, then that pushes everything into certain areas that are maybe not areas that are highly sought after now, but will be in the future. Now, this might not even be necessarily in my time, but I personally, for 2021, am looking for a, a different retreat because I need one, first of all, than what I had pegged out when I lived in Texas. But also I'm taking into account where things are going to be 30 years from now if there is a continuation of this migration of population. So for me personally, that goes up into like the uh, the Kentucky, Tennessee area, um, the, the Carolinas a little bit. But personally, I'm looking for a large tract of land that I can get relatively inexpensive now. Um, there is... There's a lot of really good information out there. One of our first podcasts that we have was with um, Joel Skousen about where do you look at putting a retreat and geographically and how do, what are the things that you look for and things like that. That was really early on in our, in our podcast. You know, you can, you should be able to go back and find that in the podcast lineup, but it was really early on when we first started, but it was an amazing look at just outside of, okay, well, this is a really cool spot or it has water there, but it takes a look at a lot of different factors. And so for me personally, looking in the areas that are, are somewhat remote, someplace that I can go off grid, but get a large enough track of land that I can put several places there for my family members who aren't necessarily preppers or anything like that. But I want to look ahead into the future for their sake. When I'm gone here and these areas become more highly sought after, I want them to be taken care of. So that's my personal goal for 2021 is to really nail down a place that we can start to, to buy and plan for the long-term future when it comes to a survival retreat area. Um, okay, I think we can move on now to our final area, which is firearms training or firearms skills. And Buck, I'll go back to you. What is a, a firearms-related skill or task or a tip that you learned this year that was really powerful for you? Well, you know, we, we've been talking about uh, dry fire and and the value of airsoft training and for the longest time we've we've done uh, content on you know how to train without live ammunition because it seems like we've seen ammo shortages on and off. I mean during the there was the the ammo shortages of the the Obama administration and then there were uh, the ammo shortages that started with the pandemic and and now it's like 
there are so many new gun owners now that nobody can buy ammo. It's, it's just scarce. And they're saying that the shortages are going to go on and on and on. So in order to train, you do have to be able to train uh, with something other than live ammo. But now with the pandemic, of course, people aren't going to the shooting range. So sh training at home and, and you know using airsoft and dry fire and, and laser training guns, those are more important than ever before. The, the best tip that I came away from, though, uh, when it comes to airsoft training, because I, I've always enjoyed airsoft. I like being able to actually see something hit a target. And, you know, the, in the state where I live, where it has become harder and harder to be a licensed gun owner, it's, it's not impossible. It's just not easy. Not like it is in states like Texas and Florida. Um, having a, a, an airsoft gun is just, you know, it, it makes it easier to train and to have fun at the same time. The problem is a lot of airsoft guns, especially the more inexpensive spring-powered guns, they're just not very realistic. Many of them don't have any of the working controls that you would expect from a, a real firearm. So your typical uh, spring airsoft gun is shaped like a 45. let let's say. You, you pull the slide back to cock it and you press the trigger to make it go, but none of the other controls typically work. Well, what I discovered based on a couple of purchases, one was a I think one is a Smith & Wesson M&P and the other one is a Taurus PT-24-7 replica. These are licensed replicas of firearms that are actually licensed by the firearms companies. So in the case of the Smith & Wesson M&P, somebody in Smith & Wesson's marketing department actually blesses these things. And I don't personally own any Taurus pistols. Um, I don't think I would ever buy a Taurus PT-24-7 in real life. Um, it is kind of vaguely Glock shaped, except that it's got an external safety. Um, but the thing about the gun is not only does it have really good sights for when you're practicing, you know, sight acquisition, but all the controls work. It's got a slide lock that works like the real thing. If there are no pellets in the magazine and you pull the slide back, it will lock back. You push the slide uh, release, it goes forward. Um, if you take the magazine out, you can rack the slide all day long and it goes forward each time. Like there is a remarkable amount of mechanical accuracy in these licensed replicas. So the tip that I, uh, I learned over the past year, especially doing a lot of at-home training, is if you're going to practice with an airsoft gun, get yourself a licensed replica from one of the big firearms companies so that it has controls and has mechanical operation that is as accurate as possible. That way, there's more correspondence to what you would be doing when you're actually training with with live fire. Now, obviously you're not going to get the recoil and unless you're using a gas powered gun, you have to cock it each time to fire it. But still having those, those accurate controls is really beneficial. I actually bought two of the Taurus guns because I couldn't find just the magazine. So I bought two of the guns so that I have two magazines so I can actually practice uh, magazine changes, which is one of the, one of the things you can do when you're just practicing even dry fire. But in this case, I have a, an airsoft target set up and that way I can practice. Uh, there's a lot of drills you can do. A lot of live fire drills can be adapted to airsoft drills. Um, I actually have a, an airsoft revolver too for when I wanna be able to shoot more than once without reloading. So the thing is you, you pull the hammer back to cock the spring each time. Uh, and it has been a, a lot of fun. However, and that brings me to my goal for 2021, um, we have talked over and over again about the benefit of dry fire. And you mentioned your friend Ox, uh, who has his dry fire training cards, among other things. And Ox will, will preach to you all day long about the fact that 80% of your training should be dry fire, even you know when there is no limitation on the live fire you could be doing. Um, and I have not been good about that. Uh, a lot of us talk a good game when it comes to training, but 
I just hadn't made the commitment to make dry fire part of my day. And you yourself have written that you've got to schedule these things. You've got to make it part of your day if you're going to make it happen. Uh, and I wasn't doing that. You know, even, even at a time when a lot of us don't go anywhere or do anything anymore, I would find reasons to be doing anything else but the dry fire training or the airsoft training that I knew I should be doing. So in 2021, my goal and my commitment is to actually start using the dry fire training cards and making my dry fire and airsoft training a scheduled part of the beginning of each of my, my days so that I get that training in and get those reps in. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip on, um, and those cards make it like fun and super easy. You don't have to think about what you're going to, what you're going to do. You just kind of follow the fun drills that are on there. And, um, and you know, it's going to, it's getting easier and easier to find those licensed replicas that you're talking about for airsoft. I mean, when I went to the, the last shot show that I went to and actually each, each, for those people that don't know shot show, it's the, it's basically like the, the largest firearms convention. It's gotta be in the world. It's mostly kind of business to business. It's not really like, um, like an NRA convention where you have end users or end, end buyers of handguns. It's usually like the, the firearms manufacturing industry and target man, targeting industry and things like that. And so um, I've gone each year and each year I go, it's amazing how many more manufacturers, not just of firearms, but of airsoft replicas. Now, a lot of these are really expensive, but you can't tell the difference between a real one and the, uh, because they're using the same exact chassis and everything for everything they're doing. So um, these are going to become more affordable. They're going to become more widely available. They're now starting to, not just for airsoft, but they're now starting to use much smaller, I think like four millimeter paint pellets. So be able to see paintball guns that are working models of regular a regular gun. I mean, they're already out there just now. I'm just saying that you're going to start seeing them more for civilian use to be able to be to be used for this type of training. And I think I think it might be another one of those things because of the pandemic that there is you see more people taking dry fire more seriously. And and I think again, supply and demand. If more people are doing it, there's going to be more opportunities for people to be able to make it more realistic at home. Which I've always, you know, said you can you can have much more realistic firearms training at home than you can at the range. So, um, so yeah, you're going to see more availability of that also. Um, actually, ironically, my my firearms lesson uh, that I've taken out of 2020 is also related to ox, um, and that is in my dry fire training to combine my skills that I'm learning all at the same time, and that there is a synergistic effect that happens in the brain that helps you to, to learn the skills much, much better and ingrain them in an area of the brain that makes them instinctive. Now, this is a, a, a system that Oxes has developed over many, many years, and it's called Praxis. Um, we did a demonstration of this. If you go to praxisclass.com, there is a um, a class that we've, we've put together for this that shows it. But this was something that really just blew my mind. In fact, that, that Praxis class was a culmination. Like when he, when he was telling me about it, I was like, dude, we, we have to share this. This is, like, this, is in, this is a game changer. And sure enough, it, it has been, it's been so interesting for me and changed the way that I train. Um, and the, I mean, Ox is really into kind of like the science of learning. And so 
there's a um, there's a way that this affects the brain that makes it, and it essentially there's you you can train multiple skills all at the same time, which most people would tell you that you can't really do. Like you you kind of want to master one skill set and then you go on to the next one, but you can actually learn faster and more permanently by combining these skills in a very specific way. And that's what practice has done. In fact, it's now being looked at, I believe last thing I t- last time we talked, it was being looked at as the military at the by the military as a method of training for um, some of their firearms training. So it's being evaluated, you know, it's a big, long bureaucratic process for this, but it is being looked at right now as a game changer, even for um, whether it's law enforcement or military, but it's, it's really like, it's still in its infancy, I think, in, in what it's being shown to people. But for me, that was it by combining different skill sets all at the same time, like drawing and moving at the same time, things like that, that we talk about there's some very basic ways that you can do it. And then there's a more, there's like a a basic step-by-step that helps you kind of do that. And so we kind of give an intro of all of that at praxisclass.com. You can check that out. So that was the bit, that was the biggest game changer for me in my dry fire training and my, my self-protection training when it comes to firearms. My goal for 2021, there are two people that I, I think are just the gurus for me. Like they're, there's just so much knowledge in their in their coconuts when it comes to firearms that I I just feel like an infant. Like I'm just I'm just drooling over what I what I can learn from these people. Ox is one of them. I call him the mad scientist of of the tactical shooting world because he is just he's a brainiac when it comes to ways that you can use dry fire and things like that for for developing your your self protection skills. He's a true master at that stuff. The other person is Jeff Johnsgard. Um, of naturaltactical.com. And Jeff is somebody, he's a Canadian police officer and a firearms instructor. And he is, he took over the center access relock kind of throne when, um, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but uh, Paul, I forgot, Paul Castle um, developed center access relock, which a lot of people know from the John Wick movies, that it was kind of like the system that John, you know, Keanu Reeves, aka John Wick, uses in the movies. However, Jeff will tell you that he does it all wrong because they they tried to cheapen out the instruction for for Keanu Reeves so that he does it kind of all wrong throughout the movie. But more and more people have really come along to realize that there is a place for center axis relock when it comes to close combat shooting in a real ambush in re, in in a real attack. And I do believe that. Where people get tripped up, though, is that they see it as a be-all, end-all system, and it's not. It is one element of what can be done in a close in a close combat shooting scenario. And Jeff has uh, he's developed it kind of outside of car into what he calls kind of three hundred and sixty tactical or three uh, three hundred and sixty defense. And you can learn more about it over at his website at naturaltactical.com. But um, I'm part of a a very small group of people that Jeff does some regular training with over Zoom. It's all done through video. And every time I watch him, even down down to tasks like learning about uh, magazine changes, everything that he does is just, there's such a practicality to it. And it really challenges what you might possibly think of as... um, 
as, as, as what you you thought was like the tried and true method of doing something, Jeff has shown me like there's a more practical way to do something that I thought was just like, okay, this is the be all end all way to do something. He challenged me on that and then shows why there's a better way. But what I like most about Jeff himself is that there were things that he's trained me in the past that I was like, oh my God, I didn't, like, I never thought of it that way that he himself has changed. He more than anybody, any other instructor I've seen out there has really been like, he's really the one who I heard that kind of that um, we all stand on the, on the shoulders of giants. And he's the first one to say, like, I changed the way that I did something because of this person here. And I've learned something different from him. Now, Jeff does, he is developing or has developed an instructor training program that he's doing that includes car, the center access relock, but then also other elements that he's brought into it as well from the hand to hand standpoint, gaining space, being able to get to your gun, but also in how you instruct. So he's really kind of become a trainer of trainers. And so my goal in 2021 is to go through his instructor training to become, to become a better trainer myself, as well as learn the additional tactics that he's, he's developed over, um, over a number of years now. So it's to learn those tactics, but more it's, it's to become a better instructor with more practical benefits that are out there for my students and, and us developing courses out there to make those lessons that we're doing as practical as possible for a close quarters ambush type scenario when it comes to firearms training. And that's my goal for 2021. So I've got a couple of different ones here. Instructor, I've got, I got a lot to do in 2021 and when it comes to becoming a better instructor. So though that's going to be my goal also when it comes to the firearms lessons. Well, that's appropriate. I mean, we, for warrior life, we've got a lot to do in 2021 as well. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot coming up and we're going to start popping more of these out and let you know what's coming up. The next thing we are doing is building more of an inner circle of those people out there. We've had people kind of show up and, and raise their hand and say they want to be part of a, of a more of a closer, more engaged network of people um, within the warrior life kind of community. And so we are looking to really highlight more of your own tips out there with some different, different ways that you can participate and share your own your own tips, and also ask more questions. Give us some direction and where where should we be going when it comes to developing information for you or putting it out there to see what experts out there have different answers for the problems that you're facing when it comes to becoming a total protector and living the lifestyle of an everyday warrior, whether that's from lifestyle or self-defense, fitness levels, survival, or tactical firearms training. And so we've got a lot coming up for you in 2021 as well. What I want to hear from you is what are your tips that you've learned over 2020 that you think have been a real game changer for you in these areas of self-defense, survival, firearms, or just living the lifestyle of a warrior? And what is your goal for 2021? I really want to hear because it's going to help us to be able to direct what we're developing in the way of our programs, the videos that we're doing, the programs that were the courses that we're going to be putting out and also the experts that we're going to bring on to our show and be able to do more training with in the future here to be able to fill the needs that you have to become that total everyday warrior out there. Okay. So make sure that you leave us a comment over in our comment section of our podcast area where this is personally, I'd love to see what they are and be able to get your feedback there. And until our next warriorlife.com broadcast. This is Jeff Anderson and Buck. I'm going to let you take it out with our motto. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. Take care, everybody. 
You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.